If we, as we get ready for this morning's message, would you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Let's pray together. Lord, it is well with our soul. Father, we uh, surrender to you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. Father, we pray that we would know your love deeper and deeper. We would run into your grace all over the place, Father, and we would extend your love to this community that needs to hear about a, a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and what that looks like. I pray, Father, that we would see more of your spirit and we would uh, be uh, just living according to your spirit, according to your word, that you would direct us and guide us. You give us truth. We say thank you, Father. Oh, we love you so much. We love you so much, Jesus. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If you, uh, if you have your uh, Bibles, uh, we're going to uh, turn into Acts, uh, the book of Acts. And um, we're going to be in books, uh, the book of Acts for quite a while. I would encourage you to be reading through the book of Acts. Acts, just so you know, is the, the fifth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, okay? And so we're going to be in chapter 2 today, kind of diving into it. Last week we talked about whatever you think of the church, the church isn't supposed to be a place. It's a movement, okay? But somehow over the years that's been lost. And now, you know, the church has just become like an event that we attend. And that's very dangerous to us because we're called to be a part of the movement. The original uh, word was kind of ecclesia. It was an assembly gathered around a, a common uh, belief. And that's who we are as the church. But we've become a little bit more like the German word kirche, which means a gathering place for religious purposes. We just kind of come, we check out, get what we need, and we leave. And that's very dangerous. God made us to be a part of the movement that he has called us to do. I want you to know real quickly, which one came first? Did, it, the, did the church come first or did the mission come first? Last week, the, the answer is the mission. The mission came in, in chapter one of Acts. We talked about that. And the church doesn't show up until Acts chapter two. And so I've heard it said this way, that God doesn't have a mission for the church. He made a church for his mission. And we are to serve his purposes, and that's who we are, and we want to be a part of that. Something I talked about last week that we're going to come back to throughout this series, I just want you to know, is what propelled this mission, this movement? Two things. They were absolutely captured by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It blew them away. They understood it at such depth that it really changed their lives. And secondly, they yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit. And so that's the question for us. Has the message really captured our hearts? And have we really yielded ourselves over to the, the Spirit of God? Because some people would say Christianity is just a set of beliefs, just kind of a way of living, but really it's an interaction with the Spirit of God. And so that's what we want to see. And that's, I'll be honest with you, with you, throughout this series, that's one of my prayers for this series, is that we become a more spirit-filled church, okay? And so, I, you know, I want you to know that means we're going to depend upon and listen to the presence of God, His Spirit, and we want God to convict us and move us. It doesn't mean we're going to put flames on the van, okay? Just want you to know we're not going to build a running lap, you know? We're, we're going you know, to have a time of service and worship, and we could be called you know, maybe uh, charismatics with the seatbelt, okay? So that we see, we come, and we expect that the presence of God's going to teach us and move us, convict us for areas, but also we'll have a time of worship and decency and order as well. So what we're going to look at today is one, how the co coming of the Holy Spirit came. We're going to see that in Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to see what believers' response was when the Holy Spirit came. 
So, um, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to start at verse 1 and go through about 17, and then we'll look at the church in Acts uh, 42. So this is what it says in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, real quickly, Pentecost, want you to help, that was a Jewish holiday, okay? Penta means 50, so this is basically 50 days after the Passover, Jesus died on the Passover. He ascended about the 40th day. And so this was the Pentecost is another 10 days after that happened. So when the day of the Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Okay, it says mighty rushing wind. Okay, we're Kansas people, right? We know wind, right? So, I mean, every day we go out there, we'll expect, I mean, if you don't have to lean into the wind, it's a good day, right? Because we know wind. Wind happens, but this doesn't really capture what they experienced. I'm just going to tell you, some of you may have experienced this before. It happens a lot in the Midwest, but this is more like a tornado, okay? I know that we've had Greensburg and some in Galva before, but this is like, if you've been around a tornado, there is such power in a tornado, and it's like terrifying, right? You're not sure where it's going to go. That's kind of what they would have more experienced, not just like a little Kansas wind that we have here today. So we're going to continue on. In verse 3, And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Real quickly, in the Old Testament, God's presence was almost always accompanied by fire. So here we see fire showing up. Remember Moses and the burning bush. So this is kind of saying God's presence is absolutely here. Verse 5, we'll continue on. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing uh, them speak in his own language. That's a key there, his own language. Verse 7, and they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Verse 11, we hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God. So here's what's going on. The tongues were other human languages. They were unknown to the one speaking them, but they were also known to somebody else that would have been their native language. Let me help explain this to you. So what would have happened is um, the person that was speaking, uh, so they were all in the Galileans, but they grew up in different homes, in different uh, cities, different dialects, different accents, and different languages. So they were all gathered there. The one that would be speaking was speaking a language that was unfamiliar to the one speaking. But somebody over there would say, oh, they're preaching the gospel. They're talking about the hope of Christ. I know what they're talking about, you know, and it would be clear to them in their home language. So that's kind of what was going on. First thing, something I want to point out to you, it's pretty cool to me. The first time the gospel was preached, it was preached in all languages simultaneously. Isn't that cool? The first time the gospel was preached, it was just preached in all the languages at the exact same time. Very, very cool. Verse 12, we'll keep going. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? 
But others mocking said they were filled with new wine. In other words, they're getting drunk, okay? That's what they think's going on. Verse 14, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Peter's like, they can't be drunk. It's only 9 a.m., okay? And I know, you know, we've all probably met someone that you know, wakes up with a beer in their hand, but that's not what's going on here. He's like, that didn't happen. Verse 16, we'll continue on. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Okay? I just want you to see there it says all flesh. Okay? Not just Jews, but all. Up until this point, God has moved and worked through the nation of Israel. Now his work is going into all the nations. Every people on every nation on earth should now know and worship Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. This is for everyone. And it says, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So now being filled with the Spirit and prophesying God's word was not just for a select few. It was for all the believers, and that's a big change. In the Old Testament, they would have a prophet with their name on the, the book of the Bible, and that would capture all their actions and all their words. Well, I'm trying to help you understand, it's like now each one of us has been given a book of the Spirit, each one of us. And, um, and so now we are, you know, I'm not saying we're, we're writing Scripture with our lives, that's a whole special class by itself, but it's to say the Spirit is now in you. And the Spirit is speaking and moving through you. And that's what we see. And so every single believer should have a, a spirit, a book of the Spirit, what God's doing through you and what He's saying through you and what He's using you for. That's now kind of what's going on. So after this passage in 18, there's going to be a, Peter's going to preach a sermon, okay? And then we'll get to that in another week. But I want you to know 3,000 people believe and are baptized. And real quickly, I just want you to know, 3,000 is kind of significant. In the Old Testament, when the law in the Old Testament was given, it was only given to Jews. And 3,000 died immediately because they could not keep it. They broke the Old Testament. And now at the coming of the Spirit, 3,000 people from nations all over the earth are coming to life in Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Here's something that's interesting. They had The new believers had tongues of fire over their heads. And they were at the temple where all of this was taking place. The fire of God, remember, historically burned in the temple. So I want you to know, God was kind of saying, I've moved myself from here, the temple, now to here, into the people, the believers of Jesus Christ. And so that's what's taken place in the coming of the Spirit. So now we're going to look at what's going on in the church. And this should be attributes and characteristics that should be true of our church and all believers in church. So Acts chapter 2, if you want to skip down to verse 42, we'll have that. I want to read this one for you. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and to prayers. Okay, they devoted themselves. This means that they gave themselves to it. It wasn't some light little like commitment like, you know, I'll sign this, but I don't know if I'm going to fulfill that. They devoted themselves they were abandoning everything in them that was now selfish, and they did this as a response to the gospel. 
It was a natural reaction to following Jesus for them. This is what flowed out of them. And so we should look at these characteristics. I'm going to give you these four. We're going to kind of break them down with the time that we have left because these characteristics should be true of us. And it should be natural for us. It should be something we desire to devote ourselves to. And it's very key to be a a thriving part of the mission of God. So number one, they devoted themselves to, if you want to write them down, the the apostles' teaching, okay? The apostles' teaching. Christianity, from its very beginning, has basically been a word-based religion, meaning that God revealed himself to us through the scriptures, okay? And then Jesus, being the word of God, also has revealed himself to us. Here's the thing about our hearts. Our hearts are not naturally inclined to the things of God. Our hearts are deceitful. They're full of sin, and therefore it makes us think wrongly. It makes us distort us from what we're thinking. Um, I talked to some counselors recently, and they said things have really changed in counseling. It used to be when you came to counseling, it would be like, hey, what can I, dealing with some stuff, what can I fix, what can I deal with in my life? Now nobody wants to deal with anything in their own life. They say, can you help me deal with what's coming against me? Who's, you know, talking to me? You know, help me deal with the problems out there. Well, I'm telling you, friend, our hearts are deceitful, and therefore we've got to be digging into the Word of God. We just have to be. And I'm telling you, friends, you know, we need to memorize Scripture. And I got to tell you, I love that, you know, our Awana's ministry, they emphasize this. This is the whole heart of it, that they'll hear the Word of God and that they'll start to memorize Scripture. And I got to tell you, Matthew and Aaron Lockard are awesome. They started this thing this last year called the Awana Store, okay? And so they have these tables and all these kids get to get Awana's bucks for memorizing Scripture and attending and being a part of it. Guess what? Here's the truth. Some of those students come and they memorize scripture because they really want that marshmallow pillow. Okay? That's just the fact of it, okay? If you my you know, my parents, you know, pay our kids $3 of scripture, sometimes they'll do it for the money, but here's the thing. They've got the word of God in their heart. So when they go to college or when they are out in the world and they're trying to be fed lies from the world, they've got the word of God in their heart so they got truth. So we've got to be giving our kids the word of God. I want you to know adults I just want to encourage you, lovingly encourage you, have a Bible reading plan, okay? Just, if you, we have devotionals out there. You can take a devotional with you. There's lots of great ones on apps that can keep you grounded. You don't have to spend hours in the Word, but spend some time in the Word. Let it fill you, encourage you, let it grow you. They devoted themselves to it. It says they actually, in Deuteronomy 6, they wrote Scripture on the door frames. It was that important. So we've got to be in the Word of God, friend, absolutely. And I want you to know that's the first thing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The second thing is, is they devoted themselves to each other, one another. Why? Because Christ gave himself up for them. He poured out his life for you and for me. And so what did they do? Because he poured out his life I'm going to give myself for one another. And that's what they did all throughout this scripture. From 44 on, 46, you'll see the word together, together, together. That's what they did. They did life together. So I'm not saying, I know we're about to get into summer season, and that means camping and sports, and I get all of that. And I'm not saying you can't be a Christian without going to church, but I do want you to say that, you know, there are people out there that don't have homes, 
and they call them homeless. And they have programs to help establish and get them back on the feet because they don't believe it's healthy for them to be homeless. And so, friend, it's like when you are out on your own and you don't have the body of Christ to help grow you and challenge you. And we, we, we want you to get back into the fellowship of the church. Absolutely. And sometimes what happens is you go to like a Sunday school class or a Bible study or a small group uh, and you start thinking, you know what? I'm not sure this really serves me right? Because that person, those people, they talk a little bit too much. It seems like they take, it's not really about me, but what we have to do is get out of our own selfish little universe, right? And we need to stop, you know, being consumers and stop, start being disciples. And that means we come to a small group, a small gathering, because it says they gathered in homes, they gathered corporately and then in homes. We need to make sure that we pour ourselves out. What can I bring to the table? What can I serve someone else with? And I got to tell you, with what we went through this last week, so many people reached out. And that was people because we had devoted ourselves to each other and cared for each other that way. And something that was beautiful about this gathering was it says, people from every nation under heaven in verse 5. That means people all diverse. There was all brought in unity and it gives us a foretaste of the things of God. So all different socioeconomic levels, all different cultural backgrounds, that's the beauty of us devoting and caring and supporting and loving one another. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to, um, also to each other. And, and the third one is this. They devoted themselves to God's presence. You see in verse 42, it says, "...they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread." I wanted to make this point about devoting themselves to eating, okay? But that's really not what's here because I know we're all, all going to be hungry here for some spaghetti in just a little bit. But I want you to know this was a special time set aside at the Lord's table. So once a month, we take communion all together. And that is a special time. Jesus promised to be present in a very special way. He always, you know, is present in worship, absolutely. The Spirit is always here. But during that time of communion around the Lord's table, it's very special. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 talks about participating in the presence of Christ himself as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Okay, so it's a very significant time. But here's why it was significant. You know how they came to the table? They came prayed up. They came full of the Spirit of God. They came ready to give to one another. They were ready with anticipation that they were going to meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so, friend, you know, are we devoted like that? Are we devoted to the presence of God, you know? And are we thinking, what are we going to do when we meet today for church? How is God going to work? How is His presence? And how does God want to use me for His glory when I show up for church today? I got to tell you, there's, um, I feel like we have kind of a, a problem with this today in our culture. You know, we just don't really think we're going to expect to really meet much or get much out of the presence of God. You know, maybe we think, why am I here? Am I just here to hear a sermon, you know, sing some good songs and then go home? Or am I here to give and serve and be used for the, the Spirit of God? I got to tell you, I've been a couple times, just I think twice, to some Chiefs games. And maybe some of you guys have been to some Chiefs games. They're fun. They're awesome. But here's what goes on with Chiefs games. People show up hours ahead, right? 
They show up hours ahead and they get the right gear, make sure the red matches with the yellow and the headband and they get the, you know, everything is working. They get the chief's little, you know, arrowheads on their cheeks and then they sit around for hours talking about the game. And they're talking about anticipation. Oh, Mahomes is going to do this. They get so excited. All of that for a game. And they would go in and they will never miss a minute. Friend, every time we come to church, friend, we have a chance. We're meeting with the living God. Do you get that? So I pray that we would come ready to expect, God, what do you want to do? Be prayed up as you enter into the church. How do you, maybe the Lord wants to use you that day. I want you to know sometimes we just get a little lazy, don't we? We just do. I admit it. You know, sometimes we forget, you know, I won't bring my Bible today. You know, they put the main verses on the screen. It's okay. You know, and some of us, you know, think I don't need to take notes. But, you know, our small group is, since we've been talking about the sermons, we've been talking, writing notes. People writing notes. And it's like, that's what we want. We want to digest. What is God speaking to me? What does he want for me to do? And I got to tell you, you know, sometimes I, I sit up here in the front and I never want, you know, I never look around. But I just want you to know, I know a lot of people love their coffee, you know, and that's all good. I'm glad. We're glad to provide coffee for you. But I just, as you're worshiping the Lord, you know, there, this is maybe not the best, you know, posture before. Maybe this would be a better posture. Lord, what do you want to do? How do you want to speak to me? And that's what's just, you know, something we need to consider as we really want to be the people of God. Verse 43 says, and awe came upon every soul. Do you know what awe is? Awe is the crushing weight of God's glory, okay? Does that spirit of awe define us as we come into the church to receive from the living God? And you know, do you come ready to meet with God, be ministered to the Spirit, and that He will give you a word to use to bless and encourage somebody else? So that's, uh, I pray that awe would be true of us. The, first, the fourth thing that they devoted themselves to was prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And I want you to know, they just prayed all the time. Okay? Someone gets in trouble, what did they do? They prayed. Acts 4, you'll see this a lot in Acts 4, some in Acts 12. They have a need, they prayed. They're scared, they prayed. Someone needed healing, they prayed. They prayed and they prayed because they had a total dependence upon Jesus. If you remember last week, if you were here, God had, you know, Jesus had given them the greatest assignment ever. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. And they're like, all nations? He's going up on the cloud. He's like, yes, all nations, absolutely. And, and so they, well, they said, well, wait till the Holy Spirit comes. So that was like 10 days. So what did they do for those 10 days? They prayed. They prayed for 10 days. Here's what happens. Peter stands up and preaches. If you read the sermon, it's about a 10-minute sermon. He prayed for 10 days. They preached for 10 minutes, and 3,000 people were saved. That's awesome. Guess what happens today? We pray for 10 minutes, and then we preach for 10 days, and three people are saved. We get all the zeros mixed up because we think, you know what, God, I, I can do it. I can take care of it. I don't have this real dependence or hunger for the things of God. We think, you know what, let me just preach it. I can convince it. You know, they can, you know, I can win them over. So that's what we do. It's kind of like um, all of us in here, regardless of what shape you're in, we don't have to be reminded to breathe, do we? 
You know to breathe. I mean, you will naturally just breathe. Your body will keep breathing. And so what it, that's what prayer should be like. We shouldn't have to be reminded to pray. We should just be interceding on the things of God and praying out and crying out. And so we want you to know that we need to be devoted to prayer. Verse 44, if you want to um, continue on. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I love that phrase. They, they received every ministry of gift through glad and generous hearts. Do you know what that implies? It implies that they were joyful and it implies that they were satisfied, okay? They gave their money away because they were happy about finding something more important than money. They found a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I got to tell you, we're not that good at that, this culture, uh, you know, our, our society spends $1.26 for every dollar earned. And so instead of having money to give away, we just go into debt. But friends, Paul was in prison and he was, you know, singing and Peter was sleeping and resting. So that means that even as they're in hardship, they were have, full of joy and contentment because they had found something in God that was better than money. So what are we worshiping? We're worshiping our Heavenly Father. Are we worshiping our Lord and Jesus Christ? Or are we worshiping kind of these resources that we think we need all the time? They were generous. That was a mark of who they were. They were blessing and giving away. And, you know, they were, you know, oh, let's have a meal together. And they would, let's get these students to camp. I mean, that's who they were. That's what they did. And it says in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day who was being saved. Here's the result of those four attributes of being a, a church uh, in the church. Evangelism. That's what took place. People were getting saved, okay? They were seeing groups of people. There's nothing more motivating than seeing groups of people believe the message so much that they're no longer in it for themselves. I'm here to serve. I'm here to give. They had such an amazing sense of the presence of God that they were, they were prayed up and they're ready to share with those people that don't believe. You, friends, there are people out in this community watching and saying, hey, oh, let's see how that, that one's sick. Oh, they cared for him. Oh, that one has a need. They, wait a second, they stepped up. You are a testimony to the things of God and the message of Jesus Christ. And so, far, friends, we need to see, we need to be convicted and compelled and captured by the message of God, and then we need to yield ourselves to the Spirit. And then more will come to know Jesus Christ, and that's what we all are called to do, to make disciples of all nations. Real quickly, I want to share a story about... Um, uh, uh, family that came on Easter Sunday. Their, um, the, the dad called me on the Tuesday after and said, you know what, um, I just got to tell you this story. My daughter's a sophomore at Wichita State. And um, I decided uh, she was home over Easter break. And so I asked her on a Saturday night, I said, um, I, I know that you've prayed the prayer, but do you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? And she kind of looked at her dad and said, uh, you know, kind of that face of like, you know, Dad, I just can't. I can't. I, my, you know, what, look at all the horrible things that are going on. And she had some questions about God. I got to tell you, they decided it lined up with family meals. They're like, we're going to come to Easter service and go to family meals. So they came. And this girl, this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ completely changed her life. 
She received Christ as her Savior, and her, her dad walked out, and as they walked out of the church door, she said, uh, what do you think about that message? And she said, Dad, that was directly to me. That was for me. Uh, and so she came and received Christ, and yeah, absolutely, we thank the things of God, because here's the deal. She, she said she's been like a completely new person. She has a new life, a new outlook, and here's someone in a vulnerable stage in college years and really thinking about the things of God. Friends, the overflow of the truth of how we live it out here in the church will be a reflection of the good news and the gospel going out into this community. And that's what we want and we desire. God came and rescued us, so therefore they devoted themselves to the Word of God. We need to devote ourselves to the Word of God. God had given Himself to us so much so they gave themselves to one another. And God had given them so much joy in the Holy Spirit that they no longer needed the joy of having things and stuff and money. And I want you to know God had given them the Holy Spirit and had promised them that He would use them. So they prayed urgently and expected His power to be used for His glory. Friend, is that true for you and I? Have we been convicted of the message so much that we just can't wait to talk about it? Have we been open to the leading of the Holy Spirit that God's gifted to you to lead you and direct you in your life so that we can be a testimony to this world? I pray that that would be true for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this uh, morning, and it's so good to be in your presence. And Lord, I just uh, I thank you for how you use us Lord, convict us. Convict us about when we, well, I'm just going to church today, or should I not go? Father, I expect the things of God, your spirit, your presence here to speak and to use us, Father, to use us in this world that we can be used outside of these walls for your glory, for your namesake. Help us to be a part of the movement of the church of God. And that's what we ask for in Jesus' name. Lord, I also pray for this meal as we go upstairs. I pray you bless it to our bodies. Uh, I pray for the fellowship as well, that we have the conversations and they use it for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hear the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a blessed week.